Blog Talk Radio. Um, 
And that is something, it can come in two ways in my experience. Again, like we said, we're talking from my experience that um, it can come from people because they have a particular title. Um, I've also seen it from people who have seniority. They've been with a company for many years. You know, um, they may have been with the company, whether it's 15, 20, 25 years, um, and they sometimes use that over people with less experience. Um, I've seen it even just peer-to-peer. You know, um, people can just be snobs, and, and even workplaces can be cliquish even, you know, even from the experience almost feeling like high school, you know, where people, uh, this group likes this group, and they can shut out a particular group. Um, and, and, and funny enough, you and I, we were at uh, a coffee shop just last night with a, a good friend of ours, uh, Sharnesia Williams, and we were kind of brainstorming and talking about workplace, workplace environments, and and that's this is where it's, it's at the coffee shop, I think, where we get some of our best ideals for future shows, um, and one of the things that we were talking about is some of the even infighting or relationships or uh, silos between developers and testers or whether it be uh, project managers and business analysts. So there's all all of that can can play into and people wearing their their rank and um you know um on their shoulders and I've even seen or what school they went to or what degree they had. So, you know, I say that I set that all up to say is that it is it's something that's probably fairly common that people probably listening can relate to in some form or fashion if you really look back and want to put a label on it you've had some corporate bullying, um, and you had to deal with the person. And one of the things, so so let me lay it out first of all, is that um, since this is the workplace, it's not like you can always just walk away from the situation. Um, sometimes you have to, to face it, you have to deal with it, you have to put up with it. And, and that was one of the things that you're saying. There's not one silver bullet. Now, what I will say in my experience, you know, there's there's the direct approach or there's indirect. I have approached people that um, at first glance it seemed like maybe they had something against me or even they were out to get me. Um, and some of those I've been able to tear down walls and find out that uh, maybe they just had a different style. Maybe there was some misunderstanding there. But what I think would have made it worse was just ignoring the situation. I think um, dealing with it head on and kind of getting it out on the table in more situations and not in my case, um, we've been able to come to some understanding. And even if that understanding is you don't have to like me, but we do need to be professional, and something that I learned through my business analysis is always try to find some type of common factor, something that we're both trying to achieve. We're both trying to get through this project. We're trying to finish this project. We're trying to make sure the project's successful. Whatever that driver is, let's find our common ground and let's focus on that um, versus um, what our differences or uh, it being a like situation. You don't have to like me, but there's certain things we got to work together. we got to be professional. And as much as possible, even in some cases, educating people on what, for example, me being a BA, there's a lot of people that don't know what the business analyst role is. So I found them either trying to tell um, myself or in, in some cases my team what they should be doing. And most of the time they were telling us wrong because they hadn't studied the discipline of business analysis. Um, so in some cases it was education. Yeah, I agree with that. And and in the same instance, we had that same experience as project managers, where individuals are your resources or or other stakeholders try to tell you what you should be doing, and they have no idea what the discipline is about or what your actual deliverables are. So it's you know, and it and and it. It varies on how how you respond to that because it comes from different it could come from different uh, levels uh, within the organization. I was reading some articles earlier today uh, uh, from a woman uh, that I'm following now named 
and she has a series on LinkedIn called The Human Workplace. And, uh, uh, you know, she she uh, approached the idea of looking at the issues uh, with your resources or your stakeholders, um, uh, basically from a different perspective. You have to be able to change your perspective. You don't know what that individual is experiencing from their lens. And if you if you really try to engage that individual or individuals and find out what their perspective is, maybe you can approach, uh, it, it'll change your approach, uh, whether it's a project, whether it's uh, uh, defining some user requirements or getting user stories, or, or, or it could be at any level, whatever position, and this is, this is something uh, uh, that goes across industry here, so that's not specifically for um, IT. Uh, you know, changing your perspective, looking at it from your resources and seeing what they're dealing with, and maybe that can change your approach. And everyone, they'll get the require, they'll get their deliverables in the way they're used to getting them. You'll get your projects del uh, done on time. You'll get a task delivered on time, and you can keep things moving. Yeah, and and one of those things, and good point, because I, I listened to uh, one of the segments of, um, I believe you said her name is uh, Liz Ryan. Liz Ryan. I was listening to one of those segments with you, um, and one of the things that I like that she also said is that sometimes keep in mind, which we said earlier, you know, there aren't any silver bullets, but you have to do your homework. You're going to have to do something. Actually doing nothing um, is probably the, the worst thing you can do. Now, I want to reverse this topic a little bit and say that what if you are the bully? Someone, someone that's listening to this, you may, in fact, be perceived as a bully. And you may say to yourself, well, I, I don't intend to be a bully. But, um, and again, people are starting to use that terminology more. And I'm going to warn you that human resources is going to start taking that very seriously if you get called a corporate bully. And I, I pulled up something that I want to share because I want to put context. What is corporate bullying? Just like, you know, bullying when we're talking about children, that is humiliation. It could be verbal. It could be nonverbal, psychological. It could even be physical, um, some type of – just any form of aggression toward a person or even what we sometimes know as hazing, you know, hazing the new person that comes in, giving them a hard time. Now, some people will do that and go, oh, we're just, you know, playing, we're just joking, whatever the case may be. If you're really making that person feel uncomfortable or intimidated in their workplace, just like any other type of harassment, whether it be sexual, um, then – that can be taken very serious by human resource. And so people, and, and you know, they say, like I said, people are using that terminology more lately. If, for whatever reason, you're being perceived as a corporate bully, whether it's intentional or not, I think that it's important for you to take um, any type of indication that people are intimidated or feel like you're being aggressive toward them or forcing them, especially, and like you said, you get into those HR issues if you're, they feel that they're being forced to work certain hours or forced to give up their work-life balance or forced, any, any type of force in that type of manner, being treated unfairly, you know, where there's favoritism or they're getting uh, more of the brunt of the work than other people on the team, you want to take that very seriously. And so, and I was taught and I was coached um, by my mentor, Ken Schultz, who was recently on one of our shows, so do check out our archives to, to listen to Ken. But per perception is very important. You do need to address that um, if there's a misunderstanding. And again, so if you're the person that might be perceived as doing the bullying, the same thing. Reach out, talk, communicate, um, interact with those people. Uh, the, the people in your group and try to tear down whatever miscommunications that's causing that perception. Um, and that just also lends itself is that uh, everybody in, in, in that scenario, you need to find ways to, again, connect with the people who work for you, work with you, um, build that relationship, and constantly, and this is something that I love that um, Matt Ernest, 
shared with us. And again, I'm going to refer to our archive. We, we interviewed Matt Ernest just this week, and he just had a great attitude about leadership. If you're in a leadership role, your responsibility to care for the relationships with the people who work for you or work with you, um, whether it's above or, or, or below you, that just to care for those and nurture those relationships, make sure that they feel like they're a part of something big, they have some say into it. All of those things can go a long way um, on both ends for any type of misunderstanding. So, yes, and and if you if you are experiencing any type of corporate bullying or you're feeling uneasy about some of your work relationships, don't uh, don't necessarily, you don't necessarily have to go to HR initially. There are plenty of avenues and vehicles for you to to work through the situation. And as we said, there's no smoking gun or silver bullet, so there's no one quick way to uh, get this issue resolved that you're having. Uh, if you go to HR initially, it may uh, cause a, a, a risk. So you may want to try to address it outside uh, with the individuals, with your, uh, with your leaders first, and, and determine if it's an individual problem or if it's something or if it's systemic within a particular group, at that point it could be escalated to a higher level and addressed. So you've got a lot of different options that that you could uh, uh, use in this type of situation. Absolutely, and 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 actually, I, I want to tie that back to something else that is uh, available online. Again, if you want to do some research on bullying, is is again do your your homework. Either if you think you're in in some type of situation like that, one of the things that says is in order for HR to kind of understand the scenario, they're going to want to know, is it being done on a repetitive basis, like you said? Um, is it systemic? Is it, um, is it occurring on a regular basis? Um, what's the duration? Um, and then is the um, aggression increasing? Is the harassment increasing? Um, and then is it being put out with, a, a, a like, a, the disparity between, your roles? Is it your boss um, using their role, or is there someone higher than you using that role um, to do a power play, basically, on you? And, and then there's other attributes. And so it could be any number of combinations of there. It could be one single incident, but that incident could be so severe that may be worth. But if all possible, and I think, David, you kind of alluded to this, try to approach the person, try to understand the attempt at the intent, um, some of the, the 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 situation around what occurred. But still, if you feel like it, it wasn't, uh, if you're uncomfortable and it was malicious and you, especially if you think it's going to continue to escalate and, and not going to stop, then you may have to take action. Um, so, so do that. Um, try to look at the situation objectively as much as possible. But uh, corporate bullying, and some people may ask, why are we talking about this on Technology Expresso? And I'm a, you know, one of, from my experience is in technology, in IT, it's so much of a team activity. It's so much, you know, when we talk about the the project, you have different roles, you have different uh, personality types that have to play a role on the project team. So it is um, it is very kind of tricky, uh, the dynamics of the, the team. And so I, I, I like the whole concept of the, the human workplace. Um, people are coming from so many different uh, perspectives, and they each have their stakeholders on the project, and each are looking at it from a different perspective. So just think about, especially those people who have been in the industry, they can relate to this, new people. Just imagine you've got the project manager who's worried about the timeline and the budget, the business analyst. They just want to get the, the requirements and make sure the user's uh, voice is heard. Then you have the developer who's working with whether it's uh, deadlines and, and limitations in the technology. Um, you may have your um, tester that then has the pressure of making sure that it's QA'd and that, that the quality is there. Um, and then you have the end user who keeps changing their mind, 
So you mix all of those together, um, and there's going to be some, you know, power play, power struggle, politics, all of that rolled into one. And I think that's very much the the world of IT. And you'll you'll even notice on our Facebook, I recently posted an issue about uh, the stress level uh, recent survey that came out about the stress level in IT because of the the very complex environment in which we worked in. So do read that as well, um, and, and some of you, I think, can definitely relate. And I also asked you all to weigh in on the topic as well. Yeah, a, lot, a lot of these issues here are not specifically in IT, as you mentioned. These types of situations can occur in any industry, whether it's sales or whether it's a, a you know, in the labor workforce, uh, welders, plumbers, uh, construction industry, uh, uh, pharmaceuticals. So it, it, it's, it's in the corporate world. These are corporate issues that not I, specifically IT issues. So um, as I say again, uh, uh, this goes across uh, a lot of different industries. Absolutely. But like I said, I, I was just giving this scenario uh, in IT because definitely I see that day in, day out. It's just systemic of the team, the team uh, dynamic. So, Okay, well, let's move on to one of these other pretty <laughs> issues. And, uh, you know, I know this is going to be big, so uh, we got to really, uh, I think we had to put to and really be careful around this one here, uh, sexual harassment. Well, you don't have to tiptoe if you if you know that you're doing the the, the right things. And the, you know, the things today is that a lot of organizations have a lot of education around sexual harassment. Um, I think it makes some people un, uncomfortable. Um, it's and, making me uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay, and that's fair enough. And, and that's why we have two different perspectives. And honestly, um, you know. I like to put out there, too, a lot of people think it's a woman thing, that only women could be sexually harassed. And I actually know uh, two gentlemen, two, two separate different scenarios where they completely felt like um, their female boss was coming on to them, made them very uncomfortable, and they felt like if they in any way maybe uh, scorned their female boss that there would have been repercussions for their um, their job or their position, Um and that type of thing. And so it is very real for men, too. Now, I honestly believe men are much more reluctant to talk about it um, or even deal with it, but, um, you know, because it may be seen, you know, even from um, stereotypes, it may seem like, well, why is he coming to HR for an issue like that? You know, what kind of man is he? So they they keep it to themselves, or or maybe they just kind of brush it off, or they deal with it. Um, but one of my friends felt comfortable, so uncomfortable that he eventually left the job, um, and he in no way had ever had any interest in her, or felt like he did anything to lead her on. But he said it was it was pretty constant and prevalent, and and she actually you know would give him favoritism over other people in the group where it built up animosity. So I just wanted to put it out there is that just because you put down sexual harassment, it doesn't just have to be from the, the female's perspective. You know, at the end of the day, if it goes back to different people have different levels of tolerance and what people call a, a joke or what's funny to them, it's not funny to everyone. I mean, even something as simple as, you know, an inappropriate calendar posted in, you know, a cubicle and someone finding that offensive. Um, and, and so it's just understanding and being tolerant of the people uh, around you. And, again, I'm going to tie it back to technology. I totally agree. All of these topics apply to all career fields. But especially in my experience from technology, you have both men and women. I think that this is a, a very um, diverse industry because, first of all, it's kind of a young industry, um, and then there's just a lot of opportunities in IT. So you have a lot of diversity in IT. So not only do you have to be, be cognizant about sexual harassment, um, and being um, sensitive to people's feelings around sexual harassment. 
I think that in IT you have to be sensitive um, to all people um, about any type of sensitivity, and then it can be cultural and, and and other things that that factor into it. I, I totally agree, and 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 if I could, uh, you know, if we could, uh, let's look beyond the obvious for a second here and the direct uh, approach or direct uh, harassment issues that that occur in the workplace. Let's look at some of the uh, side effects, as you mentioned, the individual being harassed, okay, and how they're being viewed by their coworkers and the side effects uh, that happen there. Do they feel a part of the team? Do they feel alienated now because they, everyone else feels the manager or leader is showing favoritism towards you? So now no one really wants to engage you be a part of the project with you. So that can itself create a very uncomfortable situation and drive an individual to quit their job, even if they didn't have any problem with the direct harassment. Maybe they saw that as flattering or something to that nature and felt it wasn't a problem as long as they could control it or whatever. But the side effect is you don't know how that's being received by your coworkers. And that creates a lot of uncomfort as well. There are situations where uh, uh, sexual flirts could be used, okay, and you may not take offense to it. But if that's within earshot of anyone, it can become a problem. So you really have to be careful in the workplace in, de in navigating that, uh, uh, that sexual environment or just uh, uh, not necessarily avoiding it. But just be careful and treat everyone as professionals as opposed to treating everyone, anyone, like a man or a woman. We're all professionals, and that's the approach everyone should take. Exactly. And and to, I want to take this, this even this topic and, and uh, slightly deviate from it because, like you said, these are some pretty heavy topics. Um, and, you know, let's talk about something that can be offensive it might tie in a little bit with bullying, um, and and how do you handle this in the workplace? Something that I've experienced even um, in the the workplace, and in some organizations, it's part of the culture, and that is actually cussing in the workplace. Sometimes that that's offensive. Something like that can be offensive to people, but I find some people it's it's natural. It's part of their vocabulary, um, and and I'm gonna you know. There may be a small group, I'll, I'll just give you an example, um, you know, a group of developers. They were perfectly fine with whatever type of profanity, um, and, and these were both female and male developers, and everybody was comfortable with it. It's what they did. But, when, but other people from other groups, again, when we were having uh, meetings with the BAs and the testers and the project manager, still about because they have filter for uh, the person. And so, you know, people came in the group, uh, eventually you started to notice that some people just weren't, um, they did not find it to be professional, okay? Um, and so it needed to be dealt with. And instead of everyone saying, well, you're the new kid, you have to deal with it, we found a way to kind of introduce a fun way, and, and I've seen different people, different variations, whether it's a, a curse jar, you know, and, and we collected dollars of someone, you know, uh, cursed and that type of thing. Um, however, that backfired one time. One time a guy walked in with $20, stuck it in the jar, and said yeah. he was going to say what he wanted to say. So sometimes it backfires. Uh, that's back to it. There's no silver bullet. So you have to watch sometimes. But you know, you, you're making them aware, and sometimes it is changing a culture because, you know, I've been in organizations where they're small startups, and they have their own little culture, and, you know, they're rough around the edges. They're gruff sometimes. It's, you know, um, you know they feel like I can say and do what I want, and the, the new people have to adjust to them. And as the organization grows, matures, whatever the case may be, as you introduce diversity, you do have to be more sensitive. That goes with the territory. Yes, uh, in, in this environment, and it's, the workplace is becoming more of a global workplace. 
and there are a lot of different sensitivities uh, culturally. So you really have to uh, try to cut down on the slang, the local uh, um, uh, colloquialisms and references that that may offend. And if you, as a professional, you, you should be concerned with this, and you should be concerned with how you're viewed by your by your work associates and and others. So you want to. Uh, the workplace wants to be a culturally diverse environment, and they want to make it comfortable for everyone. So do your part. Exactly, exactly. And that's a key word, diversity, too, is that, you know, diversity doesn't mean bringing different people with different perspectives in and then expecting them just to conform. Um, then you lose some of what they're bringing, they're that, that variety that and that creativity. creativity. Yeah. Exactly. So if you're really an organization that is trying to promote and embrace diversity, then the the um, you have to have that balance and that training around sensitivity. So diversity, sensitivity, they got to go together. And a lot of organizations really get that. And I, I'll, I'll tell you now, I'm looking forward to it. We're definitely going to reach out to some of our many sponsors to have some of our the diversity managers come and talk about some of the creative ways to introduce uh, that the different levels of sensitivity training. Um, the organization I work for, I think they do a great job and do a lot of mandatory training that has to be done, do a lot of scenario-based training. Um, and, and you'll be surprised because there can be, you know, a thin line between interpretation and perception and, and so on and so forth. Um, so organizations really um, applaud those who are, are doing it and, you know, even you as an individual so that you make sure you don't end up on the wrong side of that line. Do your homework. Do some research. Understand the the issues and the definition of things like harassment and bullying. They they all go hand in hand. And one of the things too, as being um, a corporate citizen, is if someone else is and, and and they teach young people this all the time. If someone else is being bullied or being harassed or you. you things that are occurring around them that are offensive, and you ignore it, you're part of the problem. You've got to step in, whether it, it, it may not be, you know, sexual harassment, later it'll be, it could be racial, you know, slurs or comments or jokes that are being passed. Um, it could be about someone's sexual orientation. Don't turn a blind eye to any of that, because all of that goes back to what we said, which is insensitivity, you know. Insensitivity and in culture is the other one. Don't turn a blind eye. Don't be the one that just you know laughs at that joke. And and if it if it can be offensive to anyone of and your group, it should be offensive to you. That's a pretty prickly situation because you you have individuals from different backgrounds and different cultures, and some may not feel comfortable, and some may feel as though they are the whistleblower in that instance if it's not directly involving them. So it's a pretty prickly situation. And, uh, uh, you know, I just, I suggest you, um, if it's not you, if you're not directly involved, then touch base with your coworkers or your manager and, 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 and discuss the situation and see how best to address it if you're not directly involved. That's my suggestion. Yeah, and, and I'll say this because I can speak from personal experience. Um, now, I'm going back probably 15 years ago, so you can imagine um, the, the workplace was a lot more abrasive. I didn't see this type of training. I didn't see diversity officers, you know, and, and diversity uh, uh, roles in HR like I do today. But, you know, 15 years ago, I had to um, speak up about a situation that made me uncomfortable. Um, and it was kind of in a public setting. A lot of us were sitting at a lunch table. Uh, a guy started making jokes, and I kind of first gave him the look like, you know, don't don't go there. And it was it was uh, sexual jokes, um, and he kept going. And and there were women at the table that were laughing. As he kept progressing, I then said, and literally said, you know, don't go there. Stop. Don't go there. 
And he just continued because he had an audience and he kept going. Um, and so I first uh, I talked to the, the, the manager and then um, later after discussing the situation with his manager, uh, it, we came to the same agreement that I went to HR. Now, after I went to HR, a lot of women came to me later because even though it's supposed to be kept in confidence, again, companies are much better about this now. Other people found out. Um, and, and I said I just didn't want him to lose his uh, job or his career, but I just wanted it to stop. And um, so with that, I think other people found out whether it was through him. Um, I don't think HR leaked it. But at, at the end of the day, people came to me. But women were telling me, I'm so glad you did that. And actually, that kind of was was rubbed me the wrong way because I was thinking, why didn't you know other people tell him to stop when it was going on versus sitting at the table and laughing? And now after the fact, everyone's coming to me saying, because I, I don't feel like I got any negative backlash. He came to me later, he apologized, and we continued to work together and never had any other issues. Um, but what really surprised me were the women who laughed at the jokes, but then came to me afterwards and said, I'm so glad that you said something and that it stopped. That that was really interesting to Yeah, me. that was interesting. That's the exact word that I was about to use. Um, but, um, hey, I've never, I haven't been in that situation. However, I had a situation years ago where uh, I used a, a corporate phrase that had been used in a lot of meetings um, where, where, where they would say, uh, keep it short and simple. Mm -hmm. So I was dealing with a, a – I was working on a project and dealing with the reforce. It was a female, and uh, the conversations seemed to drag through multiple emails, and they felt unnecessary. They felt unnecessary. So uh, in my response to her, I, I said, well, let's try to, uh, you know, this could have been addressed in one email instead of saying one, uh, uh, making one statement, then me responding with a lot, then coming back with one statement. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so, uh, so I, I basically said that. And and in the acronym, I said, well, let's try to just keep it down, K-I-S-S, keep it short and simple. And she took offense to that, and she went to HR with it. And when my boss approached me, he said, uh, HR would like to talk to me, and I had no idea what he was referring to. And it, it, it took, like, maybe almost a minute into my conversation with my HR rep before I had any idea what she was referring to uh, because it was not meant as a, a sexual reference, not kiss, but it meant keep it short and simple. Uh, we, we used it a lot in, in the workplace uh, in a lot of meetings about keeping uh, meetings short, keeping conversations short, and but I understood. And now one thing I want to add to that is it's interesting because, and this is where people coming from different experiences, but, and, and I don't know who morphed that KISS uh, abbreviation, but I've always known it as keep it simple, stupid. I've never heard short and simple. That KISS always meant keep it, keep it, uh, keep it simple, stupid. So, you know, I would have heard that and thinking, oh, he's, you know what I mean? <laughs> And, and I'm literally, I, I, I'd be curious. I, I, I always remember it was kiss, keep it uh, simple, stupid. So that's just, you know, different experience in it. And something that could be innocent, mm -hmm. you know, could, um, you know, could get misconstrued very easily. And um, sometimes a conversation can, you know, get things reconciled, but right. sometimes people take it. Absolutely. So I, I uh, once once my HR rep told me about it, and and, and I told her what I meant by it. Um, you know, we talked about it, and we saw that it was innocent. And but still, I sent an email, and I even called the young lady and and apologized. And I, 
you know, didn't try to make excuses for it. I just flat out apologized. That was, uh, uh, I did say that was not my intent. I mm-hmm. didn't mean to offend. Uh, this is what I meant. I understand, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, so we basically put it to bed and, and moved on. And then no, and it was no longer an issue ever again. So, uh, that's, you know, that's how people, uh, can misconstrue some, uh, local references and, and, and why it's important, especially in a multicultural environment that we're in now is to, you know, try to remain professional in your interactions. And I know I learned a little lesson from that myself, you know, and, uh, um, you know, and just try to keep it professional. Absolutely, absolutely. Definitely have to be uh, cognizant of that from the beginning to the end in all aspects of your 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 career. Um, so, great, great topic there. And like you said, I think that this applies to all areas, but there's a lot of sensitivity. Um, there's a lot of globalization in the technology industry, so you have to be aware of cultural differences um, as well as uh everything else from sexual, race, so on and so forth, and uh, even sexual orientation, just just being sensitive. And what you do in the workplace actually should permeate through it, all of your dealings with, you know, the with other people on the planet. Okay, so we've covered, it seems like we've covered two and one, which is fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here sweating bullets a little bit. Not really, but, uh, uh, you know, these these situations and these topics can be a bit uncomfortable um, as we try to address them from a professional perspective and not offend anyone. So that's that's my approach, and so it, it's got it's got me on my toes here. So and one of the things I want to say is is because we have a diverse audience, even uh, especially in different age groups, some people may be shrugging their shoulders and going, "Wow, this is this is super obvious." Um, and I'm glad you feel that way. I, I, I'm very happy that you feel that way. But there's still some people um, that are just going into the workplace. Right. Exactly. This is. It's, it's, uh, there are some. Our age. Our uh, target audience group is diverse. There are young people coming in, as you just mentioned. There are seasoned individuals that know all this. I'm sorry. Well. You don't have to listen, <laughs> but but this is we you know in in this instance here you know we're we're catering to our young people and and even some of the uh, seasoned individuals you know there's there's no cutoff there's no break line that says who's supposed to know this who doesn't know it and who who should know it so 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 listen uh, see if any of this uh, resonates with any of you I'm sure it does absolutely um so in we had some other things on the list, too. And, and like I said, one of the things about this format, this particular show, too, is about people sending in your questions. Please send in your questions to technologyexpresso at gmail.com. Um, we'll, we'll take your, your questions. And also, we're open to you actually submitting your resume if you'd like us to critique it and give you feedback. So uh, to our our listeners, we offer both of those opportunities. And these are, like I said, these are real-world scenarios that we pull from people talk about things that that are going on in the workplace, things that bother them, things that cause them stress. And so we want to have a forum where we can talk about it. It's just as if we are sitting around the coffee shop and talking about our week. It's an opportunity for you to decompress for you to say things, maybe say things that you can't say to your immediate coworkers, you you can't say in the workplace, or things that you just want to vet uh, with someone else, bounce it off of them to get their ideas, get their feedback, how they might handle a particular situation. And so I think the, the next topic, this is a very real situation that we actually recently also um, dealt with. You want to talk about that one? Which one? Uh, <laughs> getting a tech job in IT with a liberal arts degree. Absolutely. So in, in that perspective, and, and whether it's liberal arts or, or whatever type of uh, degree it is, it often comes up of how can you can you get into technology? We, I, I was just recently asked this at a DeVry panel that I was at. Um, people 
who want to get into technology but don't necessarily have a CIS or MIS or IT type degree? Are there other jobs in IT for people um, um, to make that transition into IT? And my example, and I think you want to say something too, but my example too is, you know, you know for a fact um, I brought on some interns this year and not all of them had IT degrees, but their exposure to the IT uh, IT project that we were working on, they got exposure to project management, to testing, to analysis, to analytics, to uh, process, Six Sigma, and it actually kind of, um, they, they found something that actually that they could apply themselves to and something that even they're, they're passionate about. So I think that that's where I was going, especially in that arena, speaking to the audience, that you often hear us talk about that technology um, is going to be in every aspect of business. And the tech, within the technology department, there's more than just developers and project project managers. And you and I, I think you, you agree, we see a lot of people who come out with uh, degrees either in development or project management, um, and they think that that's the only way, the only avenue even to get into the industry. Yeah, well, IT is business, and business is IT. Um, IT and technology is an engine that drives and supports just about any um, any sector or any industry. Additionally, IT as a business itself is a company, just like any other company. There's HR departments. There are legal departments. There, you, you could be an HR representative working in any type of sector and find yourself working in an IT company. So it being a business, it has all those elements that any other company has. Sales, marketing, um, uh, help me with some others, um, the HR department. Absolutely. And, and along those HR de department, you know, there's technical recruiters. There are people who specialize in technical recruiting. Yeah, talent acquisition. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of in industries I've worked in, was just talking about this the other day with someone, that there's a lot of legal aspects around technology. When you talk about privacy laws and HIPAA and so on and so forth, I've worked in software industries such as hospital information systems, banking, um, lottery corporations. So they had big legal teams that did nothing but dealing with those different lawsuits if there was a breach and, and whether it was data or legal issues and that type of thing. I've worked in industries, regulatory industries, where you had to have compliance officers. These were legal types or paralegal types who did nothing but as different uh, rulings and legislations come out. For example, at Quintiles, we deal a lot with the FDA. There's a lot of interpretation. All of that has to be, uh, we have to stay on top of it. We have to do the various interpretations, and then we have to figure out how we have to apply and update our various software systems to be in compliance. They're also there when we do big audits, which takes us to there's whole auditors around software. Um, when the different acts uh, and, and legislations come out, uh, auditors that come in, there's a lot of big consulting firms that bring in uh, auditors. Remember the uh, let me make sure I said this right. The Sorbanes-Oxley and all those auditors had to yeah. come in and the software and we had to dig through code and expose whole, I mean, that was that was a whole industry right there. So, you know, when when you look at the the team and then, then from there, the, the software has to get developed, it has to be tested, then it has to be, there's configuration management, um, the, the deployment team, there's the training team. Now, that's another big one, too. You've got to have technical writers who have to write uh, the documentation, the user manuals, um, content managers, uh, and that's what some of our my recent interns did. They came in just doing some technical writing, some analytics. Next thing, we were doing some stuff with database and database design. They were learning tools. And, and, and they found their way in a whole different uh, areas within supporting the IT team and never were touching code. They weren't developers, nor did they directly have to do project management. 
Yeah, so so if if you do have a liberal arts degree and 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 you want to get involved in IT, that's one way in uh, is to look at opportunities within those technical or uh, IT corporations that have your uh, uh, your particular expertise and that's your foot in the door. And if there, everyone has some sort of training platform and. At, once you're in, have a look around, see what's out there that interests you technically, and that's available. And start taking some of the classes. You may find some opportunities since you'll already have the corporate cultural background of that particular uh, company. So you may be an easier hire than someone even with a slightly more experience coming in fresh. And, and that was one of the things that we did with our interns is we actually had uh, different people from different jobs within the organization come and talk. And one of the things that uh, was presented at what they were called Lunch and Learns, one of the things that were presented that I think is really important to those who are, are listening and, and who might have those liberal art degrees, um, can't find it, uh, work for within their field, um, and now have become aware that technology, there's a lot of jobs, a lot of opportunities, and now you want to transition. One of the key things that was said in our Lunch and Learn is that in the technology field, they're looking for people with good communication skills that can talk to customer, interface with customers, and that's where the uh, customer support, uh, uh, client representatives, the uh, help desk, service desk, um, testing, training, these are the people that have to be customer-facing. Um, that, you know, if you have good communication skills, find that you can learn things quickly, um, are good with people, you're a people person, can interact, great places for you to go. Um, come in the organization, learn their business, learn their software, learn what problems they're trying to solve. Before you know it, you'll be in the business analyst role, just with, with, with those skills. So there are what we call the transferable skills that can be used and applied, and with a little bit of uh, just expanding yourself to learning some new things, you'll find yourself in a technology-related career. Yes, exactly. You can come in, you can be in that company as an administrative assistant, but that education platform is open to you. And if you have technical aspirations, hey, there's your lead-in. Absolutely. So, um and one of the things, and again, back to our, our, our coffee shop uh, conversation, is that the other aspect is that even if you don't right now have a passion for technology, one of the things, and you just said it, technology is business, business, technology. Well, it's, it's getting to the point, especially where technology is life. It's all around us. And, and since I'm in technology, I, I guess I key in on it. Uh, we were just talking uh, yesterday, you know, you popped up a, a video uh, related to football, but it was computer animation, it, you know, very, um, very advanced, the things that you can do with computer animation. And as I mentioned to you, when you start thinking, technology has even had a serious influence on the game of football which I know is what kicking off today. This is the the official maybe uh, uh, kickoff, literally of sports. So I, you know, if you're interested in sports, look to see how technology is being used in sports, and that's even an avenue for you to marry something that's a passion of yours with a very lucrative career uh, around technology. I would say I went to a baby shower yesterday. Shout-outs to uh, the mother-to-be, Don Majors, and um, even at the baby shower, how they're introducing technology and uh, the ladies at the table I, I was with, some of my um, good friends from Atlanta BDPA, we started talking about uh, how technology is using even around baby and, and raising um, young children. Uh, she... Dawn got a video monitor. I remember when it was just the audio where you sit in the baby's room and you could hear what the baby was doing. Well, now they've gone to video. And so you can be looking on your tablet or your laptop, seeing what the baby's doing. Even now, you know, the daycares, um, 
they run a live feed so you can watch your, your kids throughout the day. So technology is finding its way in every aspect of life. And with that said, there's not a area, an interest, a passion that you could have that you couldn't find a related technology career. And we hope to, to help expose some, some of these conversations we're having. We're hoping that that will broaden your mind to to explore, to look, to do some homework. And, yes, there's a place for non-technical people who want to get in tech-related careers because um, if you want to future-proof your career path, you want to make sure that technology is threaded in somewhere within your, your career path. I, I strongly believe that. And if you're looking at what everything they're, they're saying as far as predicting career job openings, you'll agree with me, I think, wholeheartedly. Okay, so where do we go from here? We're almost out of time here. We've had, I think, a good, pretty good back and forth here on these topics. Um, I must say, I'm glad this segment's over. <laughs> <laughs> no, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> you know, like I said, I'm not afraid to explore some of those sticky subjects. Um, you know, people are dealing with these, these problems in the workplace, and um, just like they shouldn't have to feel uncomfortable um, talking about some of the things that they're dealing with, some of the things that are stressing them out, Um I'm okay with talking about them, too. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to invite our callers. We want on our next show, call in, write in, email. Uh, we had a great show on Thursday night, and I appreciate uh, the good people who called in and, and sent in questions. Uh, we had a very interactive session. That was with the on the Matt Ernest interview. And we're going to continue to um, ask you, send us email to technologyexpresso at gmail.com. Tell us what type of um, challenges you're having at work. What's stressing you out at work? We want to know. We want to also tell you that on Monday, we're going to be uh, speaking with Tia Buckham-White, and I'm really excited about that. And she actually uh, has was working in corporate America transition and owns her own business, so I'm really excited to hear about her transition um, and and what the difference is between working in corporate America now owning her own business, but her business is actually support groups, and that kind of ties into what we're talking about. You know, people are getting stressed out at work, and then sometimes you're bringing that stress home, or sometimes you're stressed out at home, and you're bringing that to work. So, um, Tia... And, and and the niche that she's found, I think we'll, we'll be able to talk and continue that conversation with her. Would you like to say more about that? Yes, as, as Jacqueline said, we'll be discussing the self-awareness impact in the business community as well as its impact at home. So settle in with us tomorrow evening at 7.30, and uh, we'll have the uh, microphone open as well as the chat room and send in some questions that, to get answered on air. And uh, I'm sure, uh, you know, just as this one could, was a little prickly for me, but it's a, along with more of the uh, social content and social impact in the business community, uh, tomorrow's conversation will be as equally engaging. And uh, I think maybe, maybe after going through this one, I'll feel a little more at ease. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, I appreciate it. And, and you know, um, I, again, our audience, we do this for you, so you tell us what topics you want us to talk about. Please follow us on Twitter, on Facebook. Um, you know, we want to hear from you. And, you know, keep listening because we are, every chance we get, we're polling um, and, and finding out what the hot topics are, what the um, the sticky subjects are and we're diving right in. And at the same time, we're always looking for the plethora of resources that are out there. I think the reason why Technology Expresso is so important is there is a point where there is information overload. There are so many things out there. Um, it's hard for anyone to keep up with. But all you have to do is follow Technology Expresso 
and we'll let you know what's the latest, what's the greatest, what's the hot topics, you know, what's what's what everyone's talking about. And we're always trying to stay ahead of the curve. So, you know, we're we're running ahead of uh the trends and uh as soon as we hear about them, promise you you'll hear about them too. But I think that brings to a close another great show. Yes. I appreciate my my partner in crime here uh hanging in there for this uh I like that prickly episode, but um always a pleasure. Yes, yes. Thanks again everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.